Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus, joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. We are in the second Sunday of Lent. Amazing. Did any of us practice the missing, missing lunch? Honestly, it feels like missing lunch on Friday. Any of us practice it? Anyone? Okay, cool. Well, today we're going to get a really big deep dive onto fasting. So if you wouldn't mind um, allowing me to pray and um, let's get going. Um, Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful for your word and for the practices you are giving us today. And God, would you just be with us and um, may your presence be extremely felt today and your peace lay over this. Um, And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Awesome. So as you can tell, a lot of our leaders are not here. They are on a vision casting trip in Guatemala. So keep them in their prayers. There's about 10 of them on this trip to renew partnerships. Melissa mentioned that last week, but I just wanted to remind you as well. So we like to joke that the kids are playing today with no supervision, but we're going to do a great job. I'm excited. So in this season of Lent, we are in the church calendar. The church calendar is how churches for centuries have been defining the the traditional calendar year. And so we're in Lent, which is, we start Ash Wednesday, we, we, we are tracing the steps up to Jesus' resurrection. So we are in Lent, and the series is called Hunger and Thirst. We are digging into the deep ache, leaning into that longing of the here but not yet. And I'm sure all of us can really relate to wanting something so badly, but it's just not happening yet right? Like a graduation, um, a love, a child, a job, that longing that we know that it's coming, but it's just not yet. And that is currently what we're facing with Jesus's resurrection. We know that freedom is coming. We know that the death of our King is coming to rise again, to bring fullness and freedom and to conquer the grave. But we're in that season of going up to it, that longing of what is going to happen. So we long to see Christ in his fullness. We want to respond to God in a way that we see is in, in the way that we see. So with that, we are doing this practice of fasting from lunch on Fridays. We are doing this as a respond to the coming of Jesus. We're responding to the call of God in a way that we're withholding from food to lean into God, into that longing that we're wanting to, to, to do. And, and, and Lent is... A, historically has been seen as a really amazing fasting period. Many churches, especially the Catholic church, they they really lean into fasting during these 40 days. Um, And so every Lent, we're often faced with this question, I mean, I have throughout my entire life, what are you giving up for Lent, right? What are you fasting? And not very often are we asked the follow-up question of why are we giving it up? Why are you choosing to say no to this, to this thing or this item in your life or this food, for example? Like, why are you doing it? And I feel like that answer is oftentimes, if you were to ask yourself, very superficial. It's we want a quick fix. We want, I'm addicted to sugar. I'm addicted to chocolate. I'm, I'm out of control with my spending. I'm, I'm watching too much television. I'm going to fast from these, these things. Because they want, you want, I want a change. I want a quick change that is going to mark a difference in my life. And we say we're going to fast. And, and it generally has nothing to do with God when we fast those things. Sure, the byproduct or the result of fasting these things obviously is going to free up more time, going to make us rethink things. And, and with 
But with the means to an end, it, it does engage our relationship with God more. We do find ourselves engaging and seeing God even more. But I don't think that's the main reason why we generally do those things. I think we do it because we want to get our health in check, right? It's, it's, a, it's a way to change a bad habit. If this is what fasting is, it really, really contradicts the passage we just heard. The passage we just heard is about Jesus fasting and response. He's being led by the spirit. Nothing, not once, is it talked about a physical change. He probably physically did change because 40 days is a really long time to go without food. I couldn't imagine. Um, but it was a way for his, to re his response. And that's what we're going to look at today is the response that he's having. And he's responding to the call of God in chapter 3. At the end of chapter three in Matthew, we see that he is being called the son of God. And he immediately goes into fasting. So if this is true, if this idea of fasting is a response to the call of God or to this, this moment in time, we have really gone fasting wrong. I have gone fasting wrong. Um, and this is one of the seven spiritual disciplines, right? So there are seven of them there. It should be right here. So the seven practices that come from the Judeo-Christian worldview, whatever you'd like to call it. The first one is fixed hour of prayer, Sabbath, following the church calendar, pilgrimage, tithing, communion, and fasting. So we are focusing on fasting. The last three have to deal with like your time and your space you're living in. So tithing, communion, and fasting. Fasting is confusing, right? It's, it's not mentioned very often in scripture. It's about, about around 30 times the practice of fasting is mentioned in scripture, Old and New Testament combined. And out of the seven Fasting is one that takes us so much deeper because it's the only one that requires us physically to feel something. It's the one that requires our body to be integrated or to align with our spirit and our mind. And none of the other practices really do that because, you know, tithing, communion, even fixed hour of prayer, they're all a singular section of our body. But fasting, fasting asks us to go deep and to feel our body and to feel the pain and to feel that longing of what we are saying no to. Fasting hurts. Fasting can become exaggerated into an excessive neurotic indulgence. Fasting carried too far can harm the body and fasting submitted to theological and scriptural scrutiny asserts the soul and the body are and that neither is without the other. Phyllis Tickle, sure. We're going to go with that. Um, so as you see, I love this. I love what she is saying here because it's reminding us that fasting is about so much more than this results-oriented, quick fix, notion, pseudo, get your health in check moment. It's so much more, right? It asserts that the soul and the body are and that neither is without the other. It's telling us here, the fasting is telling us that we no longer have the option to separate our minds from our body. That our soul and our body, albeit two separate things, are one and should be honored as one. And fasting really brings us home when we think about fasting. Our spirit is not satisfied with our body if it's not with us. If, if our soul and our body are not together and aligned, it's, it is not satisfied. 
Fasting allows, it gives us the practice and the ability to have a moment in time to have those be together for our mind and our bodies to be feeling the same things. We, our body and our spirit are extremely intertwined. The biblical mention of fasting has nothing to do with willpower. Not once does it mention, I'm going to will myself to do this. Not once that's saying, you must, you have to power through this. Our modern day fasting language is more about a detox and abstaining from something than communing with God and this feasting on the presence of God. Because of the ass of fasting is to move us deeper, many Christians get scared. I mean, I get scared, right? Like it's, it's a big ask and it's just like not interested. It's, it's old, it's not talked about too much. There's no real reason or understanding as to why, as to the why. Why must I fast? Why is Jesus in the wilderness fasting? I have done a lot of studying. I mean, if we're being really honest, at, when I was doing, when I was studying this sermon and, and doing all the notes and doing my deep dive and learning everything I could, I was really convicted, like super humbled because I grew up in a pretty Pentecostal church that fasted for everything. Like everything was a fast, right? My pastor was like, I fa-, not like he fasted very often every week, you know, it wasn't like this proud thing like you see in the Bible, but fasting was something as a results oriented thing. Like if I was stuck, I fast. If I wanted to change, I fast. If I need an answer, I fast. But reading this and, and studying and, and reading what some of these biblical authors said, I have, I have gotten fasting wrong. I have misunderstood the biblical authors' interpretations or what they're wanting us to receive from fasting. So the best book that I found um, is by Dr. Scott McKnight. He informed a lot of what I was learning, reading. Um, it's an amazing book, really quick read about fasting, all the different areas and sections um, about what fasting is, where it's mentioned in scripture, the different, the different wordage. I'm not a biblical scholar, but he does knows a lot more about it than I do for sure. So with that fasting, right? Aren't we encouraged? I know. I was so sad this week, guys. I was like, dang, I've never gotten something so wrong in my life. Um, And today we're going to walk through three main sections of fasting. The biblical view, what fasting isn't, and then what fasting actually is. So we good? Okay. So if we go back to the scripture that we are reading, um, Matthew 4, 1 through 4. When then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, obviously. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We've heard this story many times. I've heard it so many times. But I never asked the reason why Jesus was fasting. Like, why? Like, it's kind of weird. Like, right? Like, if we're just going to use the language, like, it's kind of odd. Like, this, this Jesus, right before this chapter, had this amazing spiritual encounter with God. He's called the Son of God. He's supposed to kick off his ministry. You would think he'd be, like, celebrating or, like, you know, doing something. But no, he goes and, like, says, hey, guys, I'm going to go fast. I'm going to not eat. I'm not going to drink. I'm going to be in the wilderness. Like, what? You know, like this makes no sense. I, I don't understand. I, I was so puzzled reading this and I listened to a sermon about this and it's really weird. 
It's, it's not a normal thing for someone to have this spiritual experience. If you meet someone here that has any type of spiritual experience, right, these days, they're so excited. They're wanting to tell you about it. They're um, like just so excited. And Jesus decides to fast. It's very, very weird in my opinion. Um, but we know that this isn't the only time big prophets fast. It's happened two other times in the Old Testament. And this is the third time. So, what I also want to point out, though, and in that first section when it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, that word tempted makes it sound like he's being, like, lured to, like, do this, that, like, you know, like, the, like the, the devil's, like, come here, Jesus, you know, with, like, some type of candy or whatever, but it's actually a better word for that tempted to be tested, so Jesus was being led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. I think because tempted, you never tempt someone to make good choices, right? Like when someone's tempted, it's always like a negative response or like a negative connotation. When we see here, Jesus is being tested because he is encountering, encountering the devil. Like that's, that's what's happening. Um, and testing can sometimes be a good thing. I'm a teacher by trade. I teach third grade. Um, when I test my students, I'm excited. The, the, the kids are showing me what they know. They're, they're, they're showing and using the knowledge that they've been given to show something on paper or show in some type of project that they understand what they're being asked of. And so I think testing can, can sometimes bring about good fruit. And obviously this was very difficult. He went through a lot, Jesus, but it did produce something that was very, very beautiful. The mention of the 40 days here, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, that should take us somewhere. It should take us, the 40 should remind us of Israel, right, in the Old Testament. The 40 years that the Israelites waddled around. That's what I view it as. Like they're waddling around in the desert because they don't know what they're doing. They keep thinking that they know better. They go 40 years, right? They go 40 full years in the wilderness. And here we see the hyperlink, right, is what the Bible project does of he is fasting 40 days and 40 nights. He is trying to redo the narrative, what the Israelites weren't able to do. Jesus is starting right before he starts his ministry. He is trying to retrace the steps of the Israelites to show them, to show us that it can be done right, right? That the Israelites were provided food and Jesus was not provided food. That he was able to show that like I live on God. I don't need actual bread in like in Deuteronomy in that last section. That I, that Jesus is like, no, God is enough for me. God is enough for me in, in this in this fast and in this section of scripture. It's actually quite beautiful. Um, and Jesus of going into the wilderness, first and foremost, is a, is a response, is a respo response to the call of God. It's the sacred moment in chapter three of being called the son of God. And it's alongside recreating the covenant with his people that I am going to bring freedom. It's this longing of freedom that Jesus is bringing to us. And so it's such an odd turn of events, this whole entire section, I think, right? Like you're fasting, you're supposed to be partying, this big thing. But the idea is this passage happened. It's, ha it's in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All of them in some form or fashion talk about Jesus being tested for a certain amount of days, he's fasted in the desert and in coming out hungry. So know that this is the gospel writers are trying to show us that this is an important passage and an important part of Jesus' life. 
So why fasting? Like, why is Jesus fasting? Like, he, he, the Israelites ate. He could have ate. But what was, what was the fast all about? Fasting for Jesus was in response to a life-altering encounter. He was never the same before this. He was, he, he, his ministry, his life made a drastic turn and he decided to fast. He was responding and preparing for what's to come and he decided to fast. And so this picture of fasting that Jesus is giving us is in high contrast with what the world and modern day language uses fasting, right? Like intermittent fasting, um, Daniel fast, uh, social, media, social media fasting, TV fasting, all these fasts, I don't think really align with what the Bible is trying to teach us about fasting, which is hard for me to hear. I was was really hard to hear, to be honest. Um, and I think it's because Jesus was not looking for a result. He was doing it as a call and a response to the call of God. We often do those things, like I said before, to get an answer or to get a change or to get something out of it more. And so I really like this book by Scott McKnight. His definition of fasting is fasting is a person's whole body's natural response to life's sacred moments. Fasting is a person's whole body's natural response to life's sacred moments. This is the definition that I am going to lean on heavily today. This is the definition that I kind of used as if this is what the definition of fasting is, how does it inform our lives going forward? And I don't want to be wrong. Like I really think fasting or, or abstaining from social media is an amazing thing. I can go on and on about how TikTok is ruining us and China knows more about you than I do. Like all of these things I really can go forever about, but that's like not the point of this message. And fasting historically, like if we're looking at the broad church, not just this modern day, right, has nothing to do with a quick fix. It has nothing to do with getting anything quick. It's a response to God in a way from, for, in a sacred and or grievous moment. And we see this throughout all of scripture, right? So many of the amazing prophets fasted. We see Jesus fasting here. We see David fasting. We see people mourning. We see groups, massive groups of people in the Old Testament fasting because of a loss, right? If we see this, then we must know that they're doing it differently than us, right? Like they're, they're, they're taking their bodies and putting themselves into that pain because it's often for a grievous moment. It's, it's often for something that was really, really terrible in the Old Testament. It was never, a, Jesus, Jesus was a good thing. It was a positive experience, but most of the time it was for massive losses. David was fasting in Samuel because he, killed his wife's husband and then he lost his kid. He lost his kid. The kid died. He's weeping, fasting, taking off his clothes. He's so upset at himself. And that's when he starts to fast and he tells the servants, don't look at me. Like he's so upset. And that's the kind of moments that we're seeing where fasting is used. They're, they're moving into the pain to seek God and to, to feast on the, the presence of God because they know that the only comfort, the only true comfort comes from God. 
They're, they're seeing this as a moment that I can do nothing but bring my body, spirit, mind, and soul to God, forsaking all else to get comfort when the, where there is no comfort. So from this working definition, Dr. Scott McKnight has an amazing like image where it goes like A, B, C, A, B, C. So A would be the sacred moment, right? The sacred moment. B would be the response of fasting and C would be the results. So A would be the sacred moments, death, sin, fear, threats, need. These are the sacred moments or the grievous moments that we're seeing in the Bible where we see fasting happen. B is the responsive fasting. We are responding to this act, this moment in time. And then C is the results. Life, forgiveness, safety, hope, answers, health, needs, the like. We see that. As we're looking at this, as I was looking at this, I often, you see the C column as the reason for my fast. I need hope. I need answers. I need to get healthier. So then I be fast. It's kind of a backwards way of thinking. But when we look at scripture, it oftentimes is so extremely leaning on the A that the B is, that the C is never mentioned generally. The C, the response, the results are never really mentioned, right? We don't, even in the scripture we're reading today, we don't see, there's no like at the end of the fast, at the end of the the three temptations that, that, or tests that Jesus went through, he was comforted by angels and then he left. It was like half a sentence. We don't see any type of results. Even from Jesus, we obviously see his ministry starting and that's a result in and of itself. But if we're talking about the fast specifically, it always focuses on A, if we're looking at it biblically, right? We live in a world that the idea of giving our whole body, of giving up our body and soul and aligning them is very, very weird. Like, why would I give give my body and saying no to something, right? Like, why would I, it's so odd, right? Like, Yemen, really bad humanitarian crisis. I'm fasting because I'm just so mad that that's happening. I I would think that that was a little extreme, (laughs) like calm down, you know, like, but that's, but the calm down for me is actually kind of not okay because this is what the Bible authors are saying. They're wanting to feel with their body and show with their body and their mind of this fast to, to, to show and to feel aligned with what the biblical authors are wanting us to know. So we as a church, and I think as modern readers, miss the sacred moments part, I think. And I also think that we are such in a body-obsessed culture that, are, that oftentimes our outer body and our inner body are, are at war with each other. I think that it's a very sad reality, right? Like, I, I think oftentimes when I'm, when I'm talking about fasting or giving up food, it's really easy, I think, for people that have struggled with, like, body image issues or, like, eating disorders, I want to say as well, to get very triggered because it's a really, really tender topic. And eating disorders and all of those things have, are not decreasing. 
they're only increasing. You see them crazy throughout schools, middle schools especially. And it's in all, it's both genders. It's male and females, eating disorders, body image issues. These things are trying to tell us that our outer and our inner are at war with each other, that if I can control the inner, my outer will come aligned. Or if I can control the outer image of my, the inside will, will, will feel aligned. And, and, and that is such a sad reality. And so I think that oftentimes fasting can be looked at as something that is used for their own, for their own purposes, like for their, for my own individual results. And I don't think that's what God wants. And so I just want to like take a pause. And if that's you, if you're hearing this talk about fasting and you're like, wow, this is really triggering. I used to fast. That was the language that you used to, or we used to, you know, binge not eating food and then recover. So know that like, this is not meant to be triggering, but just a biblical narrative and look at what it looks like to fast from biblical authors and know that you are so loved and we want to help you. If that is something that you are struggling with, um, know that we want to be extremely sensitive to all the needs of the world because we know that that's a really, really hard reality and sometimes not talked about, I think, enough as well. So thanks for pausing with me. Okay, so you hear these words, fasting and all of these things, right? The three points of that it comes to fasting is one biblical. So I set it up kind of about fasting, right? The biblical authors, we see it as a response, right? Also fasting and prayer are extremely intertwined. Like you often see when someone is fasting, they're also praying, especially in the Old Testament. Every time you see someone fasting, they're fasting and praying, praying and fasting. It's always tandem. They're never separated. Um, and like I said before, it's only mentioned around only mentioned third, around 30 times in the Old and New Testament combined. Fasting is only talked about, I think, four times in the New Testament. But with that, you're like, why is it such a big deal? Why are we fasting? Well, in reality, every world religion fasts. And almost every world religion has got their idea of fasting from the Judeo-Christian worldview, which is what we are in today. And so with that, us as readers and us as the, as the church should be like, okay, so obviously fasting is a big part of what the church is meant to do. So how does that relate to us? How, does, how do we take this ancient practice and, and bring it into what we are doing today? And so fasting has been a long, long time, a very intense form of engagement with God, responding to the needs of a church, responding to events that are happening. But like the last two centuries-ish, it's gotten really lost on us. This idea of fasting has become an option and not an integral part of our church. Um, and there are a lot of reasons for that. And that's what I'm going to say about that. If you want to know more, ask me. I can give you information about that. Um, but we do see that scripture is associated with a lot of things, grievous, mourning, all of these things, and especially to stand with the poor. That is a big part of fasting in the Old Testament. They are often fasting because of, a, because of the, the poverty, the people that lack in their communities. There was no separation in the Old Testament between your body and your spirit. It was all intertwined. So if your spirit felt pain, they're like, my body needs to feel this too. If my, if my spirit is feeling excited, my body needs to feel excited. But I think oftentimes we can get them very separated. And so fasting is a way for us to unite them. 
I was really, really amazed at how many times scripture uses fasting to meet with the poor. I was, I was so just like baffled that Old Testament, right? Because New Testament is only four times, but the Old Testament, all those weird laws and just like weird sayings and like things that don't make sense. And we have to try to make them make sense, right? The Old Testament talks so much about fasting for those that have less than us. And so we see in Isaiah, this, this set of scriptures right here. Um, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderers with shelter? And when you see the naked, to clothe them and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will appear quickly. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call for help and the Lord will answer and you will cry for help and he will say, here I am. Um, this whole section, I, this is my favorite part. This whole section was all about fasting and what it looked like when the poor needed all of these things for the wanderer, for the poor, for the foreigner, right? There's, you see oftentimes when, when people had wheat, got wheat things, they, they were only allowed to sweep through them one time because they wanted to leave the ones that were fallen for the poor. There were, there were things in place to support the poor and the foreigners that are pretty impressive to me. Like, I'm like, wow, they really cared. They really cared. This whole chapter is about those with less and not having enough and, and experiencing, honestly, what we would call today food insecurity. And, and it doesn't just stop then. We actually live in a city that is rampant with food insecurity. I teach in East um, Garfield Park, which is on the west side. We partner with a ministry called Breakthrough Ministries. My little section of Chicago, the households there, 35% to 55% of them have food poverty. So that means that sometimes upward of half or three out of 10 homes in that area and one in four with children don't have enough food. And that is here today in Chicago, that this poverty and food insecurity is a thing. Like we don't have to go very far. You can go two, three miles down Ashland and you'll run right into my school. And I can tell you it is real. I can tell you it is real. I can tell you that my kids come to school and I know that this may be, the, the, they didn't have a meal over the weekend. Like it's just the reality of this, of, of, of the day. And there are, when we fast, right, when we fast with the poor, it helps us respond to this act of them having less, but stepping into that pain with them. It helps us realize, right, that they are not alone in this need. Oftentimes, when you fast from a meal, for the poor or for the disadvantaged to remember them and to when you're fasting being like, wow, this is what it feels like, you oftentimes feel so much more empathy for them. And if you're doing it consistently enough, your body and your mind doesn't let you forget the fact that East Garfield Park is two miles away. So what would it look like Standing in that gap with them, right? Like if, if we're deciding as a community to skip a meal and, and, and what, those, what that cost would look like and giving that to a family on the west side of Chicago. That is what fasting means. You're responding to this act, this grievous act. We're in 2023. Why in the world are families in Chicago going without food? 
We're responding to that act and saying, we are going to skip this meal to stand with you, but at the same time, what we're saving, we're going to give to you. That is what fasting is. It, it, it makes you go deeper. It makes your spirit and body feel the same things, right? Like you're feeling what these, these children oftentimes are feeling every day. It's about com- connection and communing with God and remembering those who lack. And what a beautiful picture it is to be able to be present for those moments, to be present with them. Because oftentimes, presence and feeling and remembering for these these families means so much more than just like throwing things at them. Like being there and feeling there and empathizing with them and sitting with them means so much more than just, you know, whatever you see out there, but the, the skipping the meal and, and to, to put, putting yourself in that pain and what they're feeling is pretty life altering. So fasting wasn't supposed to be something I achieved, but a reminder of my need for God's provision. Esau Macaulay. Esau Macaulay is an amazing Anglican priest. He teaches that, um, we and I am obsessed with almost all of his works. Um, he wrote in a really amazing devotional called Lent. And it was really interesting because he comes from a really Southern Baptist background, but now is an Anglican priest. So he's really able to toe the line of both sides very well. And so when I was reading throughout all of his books, the, the reminder of fasting and of Lent was so prevalent in his book. And the fact of the, the matter is Lent is for us to be reminded of my need of God, the provision of God. And fasting shows us that when we do that. The second thing is what I call fake fasting or what fasting is not. Faux fasting, as Dr. Scott McKnight would say on his little article that I read this week. Like, social media, TV, that is what we would like, I would like to call, they would like to call abstaining. When you're saying no to some item, that's abstaining. So it's great. I think it's awesome. I am currently abstaining um, during these days. But if we're, if we're going to use the boundaries around Lent and around, not around Lent, around fasting, we need just, the language should be consistent. I'm really consistent. I like, you know, that. I think that a lot of people will say that. I say the same things over and over again. So boundaries around what fasting is and what fasting is not, okay? So fasting is a sacred, a response to a sacred or grievous moment, withholding food, liquids um, for a current amount of time. Abstaining is when you say no to an item, thing, or passion for a certain amount of time. Those are the two kind of categories that we see often interchanging. Um, and it's a hot take, I know. I know it is. I know, I know it's a thing. And um, I think that the biggest thing that I have seen is the fact that when fasting is happening as a response, there's a posture shift towards God. You're wanting something to drastically change because you are feeling and responding to something. Like I said before, like when you're, when you're giving up social media or all those abstaining items, you're wanting a result because you're just not satisfied with with what your life looks like in that area. Fasting is about reorienting and, and responding to the call of God. And I just... I don't think abstaining is, is the same means as the biblical author used in fasting. We can talk about it more, but that is what I got from this. These, these are also just invitational language, right? I want you guys to be reminded. This is all invitational. 
right? This is our thoughts, my thoughts, and, and what we are trying to do as a church body and what the ancient church has said. Biblical fasting is not results-oriented, but a response to these moments of life. And the why is so important, the why of fasting, right? The why you are responding to God in this way, I think brings so much freedom and clarity to your relationship with God when you can answer that question, the why, the why of the fast. What is happening? Why are you responding to God in this way? Why are you deciding to fast from, from foods or liquids to feast on the goodness of God? Why? And it's such a beautiful, vulnerable image and moment with God and others, if you're able to say that as well. So Andrew Murray says, fasting helps us express to deepen, to confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves to attain the kingdom of God. Right? If we are wanting kingdom in Chicago as it is in heaven, we have to engage our whole bodies. We can't live in the reality of being separate from them, but engaging with them together. And the last section we're going to talk about is the whole body, the whole body movement, true fasting, and just practical ways to engage with this practice. It's a really scary practice. I've said a lot of content, a lot of content. And the why of fasting, right? So two quotes that I really liked is one is from Richard Foster and it says, fasting reveals the thing that controls us. If pride controls us, it will be revealed almost immediately. Anger, bitterness, jealousy, strife, fear. If they are within us, they will surface during fasting. Hangry, anyone, right? When we get fasting of food, like we, we feel those emotions because we are saying no to the pleasures of our body to engage with the parts of ourselves that are hiding when we use food often. Like it's a really radical thing to be fasting. And then a priest, a Catholic priest said, the tendency is to think that God will love us if we change, but God loves us so that we can change. The idea of fasting as results oriented is not what God is intending, right? God loves us. And so that is why we change. That is why we're fasting. That is why we respond to God in these moments of time. And fasting is the practice that makes our body and the pain and, and align together. It makes us say no to the world and yes to our bodies as one. Our whole bodies, like not just sections of our body like our world likes to tell us. We fast from food so we can feast on the goodness of God. With fasting, we're using our whole bodies to lean into this longing of our coming King. We are responding to the coming of the death of Christ with all of ourselves. Nothing is left when we fast. When we make the decision to say, to respond to God in fasting, we are saying there is nothing I am leaving behind to bring to God. There is nothing else you can bring to God when you're fasting. And it's a beautiful, uniting thing, but it's very, very hard. And it's really, really hard. And so um, as I'm closing, this, fast, this last quote by Esau Macaulay says, fasting then is not about us earning God's forgiveness. It's about reminding ourselves through our fasting of our radical dependence on God. Fasting is about reorienting ourselves to know that it is God who provides. It's God who we're dependent on. The call for us is to fast. It's scary and familiar, it's, but it's such a common thing that all of the ancient church leaders have done for centuries. 
So some very, very practical tips, right? Um, A lot of language used, very probably confusing, a lot to chew on. Um, Start small, right? If if you're you're going to and you're like, wow, I want to start fasting. I want to engage with or respond to um, this season of God's coming. You're responding to that. Start very small. One meal, reassess the language around fasting, pray while fasting. That's really important. It's really easy to distract yourself while you're fasting, do work, watch a television show because hungry is a thing, you know, when you're hungry, but like, what would it look like for you to, to feel that and to realign that and to be like, okay, I'm going to pray into this more in the season and remember your why, like, why are you responding? What's the moment that you're responding to when you, when you're fasting on Fridays for lunch, why are you doing this with the church, the broader church, it's not just us fasting, the broad church, see, for the longing and the coming of Christ. Um, Again, if this sermon brought up some old wounds, there are going to be prayer um, response people. Please ask for prayer. We don't want you to live in the bondage of what it looks like to have wounds brought up or to be living in a fear. If this is sermons like, wow, I actually am living with some type of pain, please, please, we want to help you. We do. We are here to support you as well. We fast on Fridays to feast with God. We are fasting on Fridays to remember what Jesus has done. The last quote from Issa McCulley is, our journey towards God over the 40 days of Lent includes a journey towards the suffering because that is the one place God can be found. No matter where you are in your walk with Christ, know that you are not alone and God is with you. And fasting is a beautiful way that we can engage with God during this beautiful season of Lent. Um, Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your practice and for what you're doing in our lives through Lent. May our souls be open and our hearts be open to what fasting could look like in our lives. May we be humble and repent of if we got it wrong, Lord, but you are such a good and gracious God that meets us no matter what. So Lord, would you just be with us as we go throughout um, the service? And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at missiodechicago.com.